Welcome to your favorite podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. My name is Monica and every week we are joined with a new guest, new topics, new movies and TV shows to review. And if you're someone who likes to indulge in celebrity gossip every now and then, you have at least one movie that you absolutely love but Rotten Tomatoes hates. Or if you're someone who agrees that Netflix doesn't know how to market their new shows properly and they don't really give them enough time to like breathe or find their footing, then this podcast is for you, okay? Check us out on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And here is the show. Goodbye. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and adjust the things. So we're going to be talking about, what was it, Mike Flanagan shows? Yes, the TV shows. Yes. Did you watch The Midnight Club? I have not watched it, so I never really got around to it. I meant to. But yeah. I have been so busy with work that it's just like it escaped me. Totally fine. Did you did you watch it? Did you like it? I I enjoyed it. It's not one of the best ones, but uh, I think it's because it's got a very um it's still horror, but there's like a very teen feel to it. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's not my favorite. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna start the pod. Usually when we start, we do, like, um, can't wait to watch. We talk about stuff that's coming out soon that we can't wait to see. You can just talk about stuff that you have wanted to see for a while that's not new, or you can talk about something that, like, you recently watched that you really liked. Because that's usually what I do. We can just, you can switch it up. It doesn't have to be, like, something you can't wait to see coming out soon. Because usually people don't keep up with, like, new releases that often, unless it's something that's, like, imminent, you know? I think that's the thing. I think all the films that I'm like, they're the ones I want to see and uh-huh. things that are coming like soon-ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, I've got a few titles I can okay. talk about. Alright, I'm gonna go ahead and... Hi guys, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I am your host, Monica, and I am joined again with another guest. New week, new guest. Guys, uh, please welcome my newest guest this week. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people? Tell them a little about about yourself. Hello, uh, I'm Sarah, and oh, what, what do you want to know? I mean, <laughs> what do you do? A lot of people I've had on are like they write for you know, um, the circus. I forgot that. Yes. Rock. <laughs> yes, Cosmic yeah. Circus. Yeah. So yeah, a bit. I do a bit of writing for the Cosmic Circus mm-hmm. as well. Uh, my main outlets, though, would be the Cinema Spot mm-hmm. and Insider. So they're my yes. main, the main people I write for. Mm-hmm. Awesome, great guys! This week we're back again, and we're gonna be talking about uh, Mike Flanagan Netflix horror shows, aka Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Blind Manor. You know, just like discussing his catalog and going into it, th- talking about what we think, talking about what we like, what we. Maybe don't like so much, but you know, it's kind of hard to find what you don't like about Mike Flanagan because he's a very talented writer. But before we get into that, we are going to discuss, uh, we're going to go into a segment, can't wait to watch. We're going to talk about movies and TV shows that we can't wait to see that are coming out soon. I want to go first and say, I finally watched The Bear on Hulu. It's very good. Okay. It's very good. The Bear. (laughs) No, go ahead. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, no. Please. <laughs> um, so the bear is a new show. It's on FX. FX has this thing with Hulu where their new shows are c- considered Hulu originals. 
because they have a partnership with Hulu through Disney, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney, everyone's favorite Monopoly. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, The Bear it stars Jeremy Allen White, which I think was a draw for a lot of people because they know him from Shameless, and I also know him from Shameless, and I love Shameless. I love his character on Shameless. He's a phenomenal actor. The Bear is a show about this guy. He inherits a restaurant from his, I think his brother. I'm pretty sure the guy's his brother. Uh-huh. And his brother passed away. And it was very sad, very tragic. But the restaurant that he left behind is a mess. It's a hot mess. And Jeremy Allen White, I forget his name exactly, even though I just watched the show, I just finished the show like two days ago. Like, literally, <laughs> he used to train at the best culinary school. Like, he used to work in the best restaurants and like the culinary okay. space like he was like killing it it's like going from working at uh bon appetit to going to work at like an american deli so to speak i don't know if you have okay a, i don't think you have american deli where you are um i would know that i guess from like if it's on a film or a tv show i mean <laughs> <laughs> i guess it's like going from a really nice high-end restaurant to like going to nando's you know. Okay. Yeah. Oh, still up on the British culture. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, Matthew Barry, one of my favorite actors, you know, I get all my UK culture from him. (laughs) And I also love Chico. That's all you need. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the show is very, very good. It's hilarious. It's funny. It is high stretch. High stress. Because it's literally about this guy who's young and he's trying to change the mind of these older people who work at this restaurant and have worked there for a long time. And of course they love him and respect him, but not really like respect him like that. And he has like his brother's best friend is also there. His brother's best friend is kind of a, it's kind of a dick, so to speak, but all the characters are amazing. The show is so funny. It is very like, the show just kind of feels very raw and like realistic and I like watching TV shows where you can watch this show and it's not even a TV show. You feel like you're watching a day in the life. You feel like you're yeah. watching someone's actual life play out. And this feels like sincere. And there are so many amazing characters. There's one person on the show, her, her real name is Ayo, I believe, the actress. She is like the newbie to the seed. And she is so lovely and wholesome and completely, utterly awkward. But I feel like it just flows really well with the show. And. I cannot wait for season two because I don't know what they're going to do next, but it's it's really great. It's one of those shows that people are always like, I don't need to watch it. I'll watch it later. I'll watch it later. Like, no, go watch The Bear and go watch Abbott Elementary and, you know, it's self-care. All right. Watching good TV oh. is a form of self-care. Absolutely. Okay. It's at the top of my list now. <laughs> See when it. I'll have to see when it's released over here because we don't always get them around the same time. Because we, we would get those shows usually through Disney Plus, I think, okay. in the UK. Like oh, for really? example, what in the shadows is on Disney Plus for us. Okay. Jordan so, did tell me that like in the UK, you guys don't have Hulu. No, Hulu does not exist here. So. Why? I have no idea. I think. I think there was a period where they were like, we're going to bring Hulu to the UK, we're going to, like, you're going to have all these shows, but I just think it never happened. I don't know whether it was people didn't want to pay for another streaming service or people didn't know the shows so well. I don't really understand 
what happened though. You'd be better asking Jordan. He knows all about this stuff. <laughs> That's his specialist area, I think. Okay. That is kind of interesting. It is so yeah. strange to think about like the differences in America, like the shows that I can watch on Netflix versus the shows that you watch on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. It's it is strange. It is a really strange thing because you would think like just release it everywhere. But I guess there's licensing that goes with it, but yeah. But sometimes I'm like, well, I can't watch that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually finished watching the show called Lupin. Lupin. I, okay. It was. It's this show on Netflix. It's very short. It's very very good though. It's about this guy. He grew up reading these stories about the gentleman burglar. Lupe, I think, and Ooh. essentially you're watching him be this master burglar, this master, like, uh, master plan, just, like, so smart, and the way that he connects things together, the way that he plans things out, you're watching it, you're like, I could never do this, I couldn't think of this, I couldn't mastermind this, I don't know how he put this and this together, how he did that, how he, like, all the things, all the strings, like, all the dots just connect, and each thing, yeah. and every single time, you feel like they got him. He's going to jail. It's over. It's never over. Each and every <laughs> single time, he gets out scot-free. Not all the time, because there are consequences to your actions. And, of course, this guy has, like, a ex and a child. So, you know, that complicates things. But yeah. he is, all in all, just, like... It's a really, really good show. It's on Netflix... Only two seasons, five episodes each season. Each episode is like an hour and some change. And okay. it's delectable. It is okay. absolutely addicting. There's supposed to be a season three coming out soon, which I'm very excited mm-hmm. to see. And I honestly can't wait. And it's one of those shows where it's like, it's literally a sleeper hit. Like, it is a hidden gem in Netflix. I saw it advertised on Netflix maybe once on the main page, and I put it on my list. Because each time Netflix puts something in front of my face, Netflix finally learned that I'm not for your popular little, literally, the things that everyone wants to watch, like the top 10 streaming stuff on Netflix. I will not watch Mm. that shit. Give me your hidden gems. Give me your sleeper hits. Give me the indie films. Put it right in my face. I can put it on my list and then watch it later. I don't care. Except Do Revenge. I will watch Do Revenge. Eventually. But not. I, uh... I need to branch out with my Netflix watching because I generally go to Netflix for like true crime documentaries mm-hmm. and I'm always frustrated with it as well because I know what the quality of those documentaries are hey. and I know it's going to be something like this is an unsolved case so it's not going to be like all of the information but I will watch any I'm terrible with true crime on Netflix that's <laughs> that's all I really watch on there so I do need to I think my watched list on Netflix is True Crime, Shit's Creek, and Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's that, that's it for me. I think so. Jordan and I talked about True Crime in a pod I did with him, and mm-hmm. basically we we're talking about how like True Crime has become this genre where it's educational, informative, but it cannot help but be exploitative. And, Absolutely. You know, yeah. We literally talked for like three hours about oh, like yeah. we actually talked about biopics, but then we ventured into true crime, which is like yeah. how we get there. Yeah. I can I can it's it is, it's it's a thing that I sort of wrestle with a little bit every time I'm watching it or I listen to podcasts as well. Like yeah. like you said, it's very informative and it's an interesting thing, but then 
I have these moments where I'm like, oh god, like it is very exploitative and yeah. I feel like I think for me, I find the more recent ones difficult to look at or listen to because you know those families are still suffering yes. through that. It's historical cases from hundreds of years ago. It's, mm. well, it's hard because like you're interested in the story and in like the intrigue mm-hmm. and like murder, crime, all these things, they fascinate us, they draw us in, but you, like, people are so quick to forget that, like, the person who died had a family, and that family is 100% grieving, and I feel like people realize that now with, like, the Jeffrey Dahmer um, TV show that came out, where Ryan Murphy was like, oh, we reached out to, like, so many people, and they never got back to us, so then we just went to our researchers for information, and then there is someone who was the sister, I believe, of one of the victims, and her testimony, mm-hmm. word for word, verbatim, was used in the show, like, similar to her <laughs> actor testimony, because she was emotionally charged, because she's in the room with yeah. a family member, like, the person who killed someone she loved. And she did an interview with, I think, Business Insider, I believe, basically saying, that, like, no one reached out to us. No one told us about this show, and if you did, we wouldn't have said yes. We wouldn't have okayed this. Because why would I be okay with you telling the story of the loved one that I lost in a show that basically, like, kind of romanticizes Jeffrey in a way? Like, you spend, like, most of the show talking about a childhood cheating mm. love to be like this. You know, yeah. oh, he was yeah. so sad and bullied. His mom wasn't there for him. His dad didn't know how to raise him. And then, like, he killed the animals. He was different. And, like, who, like how was he supposed to know that it was bad to kill people and then eat them and then keep their heads and oh. then do that to several people over and over and over again? He was hurt as a child. He was broken, you know? It's like, hey, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't watch the show. I'm yeah. more of, like, a documentary person, but I've heard that the show is a bit... Um, yeah, like you said, it maybe showing more sympathy towards him, and yeah. it doesn't help think, that Evan Peters plays him too. I think that's an issue as well. I think that was also the issue with the uh, Ted Bundy film with mm-hmm. Zac Efron. Yeah, like, don't put these people in these films, please. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. I think sealed the deal for me not wanting to watch that show was like the Halloween costumes that came oh, out of it. I was absolutely okay. No, not an okay thing to do. There was a TikTok trend of girls pretending to be Manson girls. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. People like I that. Just, I just wonder why people think that that's an okay thing to do. Because, mm. like, they don't register it as, like, something that could affect someone. Like, it's affecting mm-hmm. a real person. They see it as, like, oh, it's for fun, it's cosplay, like, oh, he was just, like, they see the killer as this person that is to be, like, I don't know if it's babied, sympathized, or, like, oh, I could have fixed him, like, I don't understand. Something's just not clicking in here. I don't know what the word is, but something's just not clicking. Yeah, I, yeah, I I get that. I, I wonder whether, like, the fact that there's the dramatized versions of it also help, like, if they'd watched, you know, the documentaries that are very factual and like this was not right, this was this was a horrible thing, rather than the dramatized version which sets up that sympathy. I wonder whether creating that relationship with the character is also not the best way to do it. And it sucks because like people are always talking about how like in that time when they found out about Jeffrey Dahmer, there were people that 
<coughs> would like call the victims' families because everyone had a phone book. Everyone was listening to the phone book and like terrorized them. And there are people writing letters to Jeffrey Dahmer, like praising him, seeing him as a serial killer, like Michael Myers. And it's like, no, yeah. he's not a serial killer. Michael Myers is not real. He's fiction. Also, if there was someone who terrorized one town one day of the year, you would not be sitting outside your door in, like, some silky see-through dress waiting for him to <laughs> hack you up into pieces. You wouldn't do that. That's so no. dumb. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. I saw this argument with, with the, the Dharma stuff where people were like, oh, it's like dressing up like Michael Myers or whatever. And I'm like, no, one's fictional, one's real. You can't, you can't do that. That's all. Oh, so I don't understand that side of things. <laughs> Is there anything that you can't wait to see this coming out soon? Um, there are two films that I have in mind. One of them is Matilda the Musical. Oh, okay. No, I'm really looking forward to it. I wanted to see the stage version of it, but I was never able to get down to London, and mm-hmm. you know we had a pandemic, and then everything yeah. just went a mess. And um, so I'm looking forward to that because I love the story of Matilda. It's one of my favourite stories. And I'm also looking forward to seeing The Whale when that comes out. Oh, with Brendan Fraser? Yes. Yes. The infinite sweetheart, Brendan Fraser. (laughs) He was also, he's also in Doom Patrol on HBO Max. And I do love that show. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that he's having this little sort of comeback. Yes. And I feel like a lot of praise for it so a renaissance so to speak yes yeah. so I think they'd be my biggest the biggest two that I'm looking forward to yeah. at the moment I have heard some criticisms about the whale um, mm-hmm. just in general saying that it's a bit fat phobic so to speak because they put him in a fat suit and mm-hmm. I haven't really, like, looked into the film that much. Um, Generally speaking, I am open to any kind of critique that people have about movies, and I'll have an open mind in regards to it. Hopefully, usually what happens is that a film comes out, people generally like it, critics love it, and then there is mass, not mass, but, like, there's a lot of discourse on the internet in regards to, like, certain things about the film that are problematic. Like, with Green Book... It was widely beloved by critics. However, mm-hmm. a lot of people did not like it because the movie The Green Book is like driving Miss Daisy and it's supposed mm-hmm. to be based off of the life of someone who is real, who was a driver. But it's not actually based off his life because they positioned the white man in the movie to be a more significant character than he really needs to be. And also The Green Book in the Civil Rights movie, I believe, was basically a book where um, freed slaves, or at least just like black people in general could read the book and find hotels and places to sleep and stay to know that like they wouldn't be strung up the next morning like that was the purpose of the book but you turned it into like this white people and black people can't be friends so (laughs) it was kind of like you missed the point you know and it didn't help that like the screenwriters of the movie were all white men so of course they want to position themselves as some kind of bestie or hero and not really have white people be seen as like a villain even though if we're being honest in that time period he wouldn't have been that nice to someone who like Mahershala Ali he wouldn't have been so yeah yeah I think like you said though it's a lot of uh I think that a lot of the issues that lie with who is in the writer's room yeah 
especially if you're telling a story like that, why would you have all white men right. in this? To... Honestly, but... like, if you can, if I can easily look up what your movie is supposed to be about, the Green Book, literally just now, the Negro Motorist Green Book, during segregation era in the United States, identified businesses that would accept African American customers, like, that has nothing to do with us driving around, and, like, also, this is one thing that actually, like, got under my skin a little bit, this is so minimal, perhaps, but there was a scene where, um, the Italian character in the movie, the white guy, he was, like, mm-hmm. he introduced Marshall Ali's character to fried chicken, because he never had fried chicken before, and I refuse to believe that, <laughs> like, I know, I don't mean to sound like, like, I refuse to believe that someone, a black person in, like, 1930 to 1970 never had fried chicken. Never had fried chicken. A staple in black cuisine, black homes. You never had fried chicken? A white man had to introduce you to fried chicken? Oh, Please yeah. be serious. Please. I'd love to Please. Know, I'd love to see the research notes for this film. <laughs> what like, do they have for this? <laughs> Like, we can find a togetherness and oneness in food. No. You can introduce them to, like, some kind of very nice Italian dish, like a nice pasta or any other Italian dish. I don't know anything past pasta, but, like, fried chicken is not. Yeah. That's the thing. You have this. If that's what you want it to be, mm-hmm. you have an Italian character. You've got a food there that people know. Don't, don't do this. Yeah. Uh... But I honestly can't wait to see The Whale. It seems like one of those movies that, like, when it releases, it's going to be available in, like, three movie theaters in my state. So, oh. <laughs> like, a lot of times I have to watch know. indie films. I really have to wait till it gets on streaming, because I can't go see it in, in person. Because if I yeah. do see it in person, I'm usually the only person in a movie theater, or it's showing at a certain movie theater that's, like, 21 miles away from my house. And I can't yeah. drive that far for a movie. Yeah, you, you it that's a difficult one to justify. Yeah. But <laughs> I, uh... I hope that Brendan Fraser, you know I really do hope that he has time to kinda like not time, but just oh gosh, I hope he gets all the love, you know, from the fourth season. I also that's another thing, a lot of times with films that come out that are a little problematic, the lead actor may say something that is not well thought out. So I hope that he has someone on his team that'll write a nice little statement for him, you know. Yeah. So he doesn't say something that is I'm, not entirely well thought through, you know. Yeah, I hope so. I I don't know why in my mind I just picture him as being like a ray of sunshine that yes. would never be me. So I I hope <laughs> I hope that all goes well. I hope that image isn't ruined for me in the press for this. But I was speaking to Jordan about it, actually. He saw it for the London Film Festival, mm-hmm. and he said it was really good. He said it's one of his favourite films. Okay. And we were talking about these comments a little bit. He didn't tell me too much because he didn't want to spoil it for me. Mm-hmm. But he said he... I can't think of how he worded it. I think he said he could understand where people saw that from, mm-hmm. but at the same time he thought it was all very well done mm-hmm. but again don't I don't want to quote him I don't want to misquote him so but uh he said it's one of the best films he's seen in a, in a while so I'm very excited very excited okay wonderful and 
uh, I guess this is going to wrap up our, seg our segment for Can't Wait to Watch. So we're going to jump right into talking about Mike Flanagan TV shows. If you guys don't know who Mike Flanagan is, he is a pretty well-known um, TV writer, now known for Netflix, uh, very famous shows such as Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor. But before he created Haunting of Hill House, he actually used to edit episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> but I love that for him. <laughs> I found that out when I was doing my research and I was like, oh, that's so cool. But, um, you know, Mike Flanagan, he's a filmmaker. He was also known for um, Oculus. I feel like that's one of his movies that I've kind of heard of before. So, like, that's what made his name kind of familiar to me when I heard of Haunting of Hill House. And he's also done um, Gerald's Game, Doctor Sleep from 2019. But he's mainly known for creating the supernatural horror anthology series, The, Night the Haunting, with Hill House... Bly Manor, and soon he will have a season based off of um, The Fall of Usher. Not a season, but it's a new show. It's coming out pretty soon. I don't know when it's premiering on Netflix, but I know they finished filming it. So, mm -hmm. I'm excited, and that show does include Raul Coley, so I'm that's, also... That's what I watch it for. Yes! <laughs> I love him. I have loved him since, like, Rooster Teeth, I think, is what he's on. I don't know. I just, I just love. I think he's one of because obviously Mike Flanagan has a lot of actors that are in all of his series, mm -hmm. and they're all great actors and actresses. But Raul Coley will always have a special place yeah. <laughs> in my heart. <laughs> I think he is such a phenomenal actor, and it's so great to see him like do dramatic roles because I know he's mm -hmm. a very funny person. Like, he is yeah. hilarious. I knew, I also remember watching him on iZombie, which was a mm -hmm. show on the CW that was kind of like, we'll see if this lasts. And then it got like four seasons. That's actually kind of good. <laughs> it wasn't bad. And he was really great in it. And seeing him in Midnight Mass and also Bly Manor was like so, it's so rewarding to see an actor that you love and you like, admire and you see them book like a role. And it's like, oh, yes. And it's like a yeah. good one, and people watch it and they like it. It's like, oh, yes, yeah. you know. It's especially I think he did great in Bly Manor, but I think especially in Midnight Mass, I think oh, that yeah. was perfect. He did so well yeah. in that performance. I love it so much, and we're just gonna hop right in and talk about it a little bit. Um, do you just want to start with Hill House because that is his first one? Yeah. So. Yeah. Haunting of Hill House is was one of the first shows that um, Mike Flanagan did for Netflix. It's the first entry into the anthology series. The show follows two timelines following five adult siblings who have paranormal experiences with the Hill House that they mysteriously fled one fateful night. And the show flashes back and forth from the past, the present day, and you know, it is quite scary i'm not gonna lie when i watch tv shows i am the kind of person that like nitpicks at each detail so like seeing all the ghosts in the episode it like made me my skin crawl like it made my like i i can't do ghost i can't do ghost <laughs> stories i can't because like my mind my brain will like run wild with it and i will be laying on my bed at night like did i see something is something like <laughs> 
I'm that person, so. I, I usually with ghost stories, I'm the person who's like afraid or freaked out while I'm watching it, but then once it's over, I'm like, oh, you know, that's it. It's done. <laughs> I I was uh, I was living on my own when I I did a rewatch of Hill House. Mm-hmm. This was last year, and I had to sleep with the light on. It it scared me so much. It's a it is quite a frightening show. They yeah. do so well with ghosts in that one. Yeah, and I really did enjoy Hill House the most. I I don't know if Hill House is. I feel like Midnight Mass is something that I really did like. Mainly because, like, I can draw from personal experience with that show. But Hill House is so good because it's the first. And, like, it's the original one. It's the one that started it off. And one thing that's so interesting about Hill House is just, like, it's just so sad. Like, it's so sad. And when people think about, like, horror movies, you think about things that are scary. You think about things that are shocking. And you think of thrill and suspense. But with Mike Flanagan's television shows, he relies so much on emotion and trauma and these things that we can relate to and we can draw from our own experiences that we see as scary. Because, like, people are scared to open up to others because you feel vulnerable and you don't want to, like, you know, let everything out. But you could be – it's just so many layers to it. and. Absolutely. I I love that about his shows, that there is such a human side to it. Like you said, it's not just about scaring people and having ghosts jump out. And Mm -hmm. for example, with Hill House, I like how it sort of looks into the the mental health of the family. And, you know, for, for part of it, there are moments when you sort of like, oh, well, is that house really haunted? Or are people just, you know, do they need some help? Is there a mental health? crisis happening here and I thought that was a really great way of doing it and I think he does that well throughout all of his shows I love how like in just about every single show about a family with a bunch of siblings there's always the one kid that writes a book about the family like you can't keep that to yourself you gotta tell everybody our business I would be pissed though I would be furious Like, if I thought my brother, like, wrote a book about family, I would be, at Barnes & Noble, ready to take you down. I don't care if I'm getting arrested. What are you talking about my business for? What? No. Write about something else. The same. The same. If my brother wrote a book about me and all our family, I'd just be like, well, no. No, no, no. no. No, no, no. I wouldn't be signing any releases. I wouldn't be signing anything. Just like, no. Destroy it. Yeah. And... So we can go through the siblings. There's Paxson. Hold on. No, there's Stephen Crane. It's the Crane family, right? Stephen Crane, he's the eldest son. He's the author. Um, there is Olivia. She's the matriarch. Youngest daughter of Neil. Someone who's most affected by paranormal activity. Uh, there is Hugh. He's a dad. He flips houses. Estranged from his children. Oh my gosh. I do have to say uh, real quick. Henry Thomas and Timothy Hutton are such phenomenal actors. I know Timothy Hutton from this show called uh, Leverage. It was kind of like this procedural show in America. 
it's so good. I used to love it. It was it would come on CBS some nights. Like it's one of those shows that like comes on as a rerun, and you kind of just watch it out of order because like each episode is the same, so you know exactly what's gonna happen. And that's what I know him from. So seeing him in Hill House is like, oh my gosh, look, that's my guy. Uh, there's Shirley Crane, Shirley Crane Harris. She's the daughter. She owns a mortuary, which is I'm not gonna. Why do you own a mortuary when you lived in a house with ghosts? Yeah, I'd be so afraid of that's like so weird. How many ghosts are there gonna be in my house? Yeah, now? that's so weird. It's like, oh, I find. Do you find comfort with dead people? Is that maybe like... she just couldn't get enough of the ghosts? Maybe that's what she wanted in her life. Okay. Uh, there's Luke. He is one of the youngest of the twins. He struggles with addiction. God bless Luke. We love him to death. There is um, Theo, who's played by Kat Siegel, Kate Siegel, who is phenomenal. We love her. We stand. She has the sixth sense, like her mother. She wears gloves to prevent touching other people, experiencing psychic knowledge about them. And, of course, there is, last but not least, Eleanor, a.k.a. Nell, who's played by the amazing, phenomenal, outstanding Victoria Pandoretti who we loved. She is the younger of the twins, never really recovered from living in Hill House, which we can understand mm-hmm. why, because Hill House is a nightmare. I know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to live there, so. Yeah. And so we're here talking about the show. And I don't really want to go episode by episode. I'm not really someone who does that. I just want to say, all in all, the thing that really, like, I know we all experienced this. We figured out who Bet Neck Lady was. And oh. I was so, like, my body went inside of itself. And I was so sad. I was so sad because, like, no. Eleanor deserved a nice life. Like, she deserved to, yeah. like, it hurts. Like, it hurts to see somebody struggle with something. And you, like, get so attached to this character. And you realize yeah. that, like, this is what they were meant to be. They were just seeing their future in their life, like the whole, like this is horrifying, so to speak. Yeah. Like it's, it's... I, think, I think part of it for me with, with Nell was that from the very beginning, I was like, I just want to help her. Mm-hmm. And then when you find out who the bed neck lady is, you are just kind of like, oh, I wish someone had that. <laughs> yeah. It's just... I think this throughout of like, I just want. I think it's the same with all of them, and they're so sort of distant from each other, but like all the siblings. With Nell in particular, I was like, just want to help her. I wish I could do something. There's this kind of like, uh, there's this helplessness when it comes to people you know that deal with mental health in such a way where like they are distraught. And you can try to be encouraging, you can try to be there for them. But at the end of the day, it's just something that's going on with them and their brain. And, like, yeah. you, you cannot jump into their head and, like, take these thoughts yeah. out of their head and, like, throw them away. And it's so awful. Like, it's so horrible. Like, I don't know how to say it. It's so sad to see her be a young woman and live in that house with all these ghosts. And then her growing up, trying to be better. And then her mm-hmm. seeing everything and it all coming full circle. And just her being completely horrified and not even her, she couldn't save herself 
from her fate, but she can save her siblings from, like, hating each other. And that's the one thing that, like, really, like, did it for me. Because I was like, no, fuck this fuck everyone else. No, Eleanor's the only person. No, fuck everybody else. Like, I really was, I was mad. I was mad at the dad. I was mad at Theo. I was mad at the mom. Like, I was pissed. I wasn't, I wasn't mad at Luke, though, because Luke is harmless. We love Luke. We stand Luke. Everyone yeah. else, everyone else is going to fight, especially the oldest one. Especially yeah. Steven. Like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As soon as I think it's boring with him, he's he's just such he's just such a dick in it sometimes, and yeah. I'm just like Stephen. Yeah, it's like dang, like who shit in your breakfast this morning? Like <laughs> Jesus, you're the one who wrote a book exposing all of our secrets. Nobody asked you to do that. God, and I think that oh, gosh, it's so there's so many things about haunting a Hill house like with. Uh, Poppy and Will, I think that was a couple that lived in the house prior to their family, and their story yeah. is very... It's so interesting with how Mike Flanagan, like, layers stories to kind of be, like, mirrors that kind of show yeah. you, like, this couple is, like, this couple right here, and these are the similarities, and how the mom, you know, wanted to... Poppy wanted to awaken her children, and the mom felt the same way. And I have watching the show. I've never in my life ever been so tense. I was just like, "Don't kill the kids, don't do oh, it." Oh, and yeah. it's like it's not gonna happen. But then it's like it's a Netflix show. Yeah, anything could happen. <laughs> it's like we're not held to the guidelines of the FCC. Like, yeah, they'll do what they want. You just kind of sit there. And you're just like, is she gonna kill these kids? Is this gonna go that way? Is this gonna happen? What's going on? I remember the first time I watched that, I was like, oh god, oh no, oh no. Yeah. Yeah, I did really well with that sort of the parallel between the stories. And I also think, like, I like how he doesn't spend too much time giving us, like, a background on the ghosts. Like, Mm. we know who the ghosts are, like, Poppy and. And the tall man, I don't know what the names of the ghosts are, yeah. but like, he doesn't spend too much time giving us a background. We know who they are, but they fit well in the story. And it's not like I have an episode that's just about this ghost. Mm-hmm. It's, so I like how he does that. We know enough to understand what's happening, but I'm not being taken on a different path with this one. So. Yeah. A lot of the ghosts in the house, I feel like, are just benevolent. Like, they're just mm-hmm. kind of there. But then there are some of the ghosts in the house that are just, like, a little creepy. Like the tall man. I know that I... I don't think I put it in my notes about what the significant was, significance was to the tall man. But I think that with the ghosts, they're kind of used in the context of the story. And, of course, like, you see ghosts in a horror film. They're meant to, like, induce fear. They're meant to, like, scare you and everything like that. And... You need that kind of tension and suspense in a horror film. But with this show, the ghosts are just kind of existing. Like, the Mm -hmm. ghosts are just kind of there. They're not very... They're not... Some of them do interact with the people, but some of them don't interact for the most part. And I feel like the ghosts aren't just, like, ghosts. But they're kind of, like, this metaphor, in a way. Because we all kind of have ghost stories. We all have past trauma that we don't talk about, but it haunts us. And yeah. it's not always something that's easy to let go of. And when you actually think about letting it go, it's like you're detaching a part of yourself from you. 
So then it feels like you're physically removing something from yourself. And then you just wonder, like, what does it mean if I let this go? What does it mean if I move on? And ghosts are just, like, the significance of your regrets, your failings, the secrets you hold in yourself. But ghosts can also show, like, I regret this thing happening and I wish it was better. You know, they can signify so many different things, you know. Yeah, and I like that about horror movies because, like, a lot of people do watch them to be scared. But yeah. I like horror films that have something to say. Not ones that try too hard to say something, but, like, you know, there's something that is being said, you know, like. Yeah, there's a message there, or mm-hmm. there's, like, something to think about at the end of it. Yeah, I feel like there are movies that try hard to say something but then they end up saying nothing and then mm-hmm. it's like you just wasted my time for an hour and a half i'm never gonna get this time back like yeah I, I will never watch this again never recommend it to anybody there's those movies you watch and you're like wow that was a waste of time yeah i instantly forget what they call yeah so i watched this film and i don't remember its name but it was so bad <laughs> i remember watching this movie assassination nation which I should know for the title was bad, but it was basically like this movie about like these four teenage girls and I, the town turns on them for some really stupid reason. And, uh, it was trying to say a lot. Like the movie was trying to say something about like, um, queer kids and like internet culture and like how people hate young women and like virginity and all in all, I was just like, this is a whole lot of nothing. This is a yeah. whole lot of nothing. Also, sometimes when they do, like, uh, I've got all these topics I want to talk about in this show or this film, and then you just can't fit any of it in because you want to try and fit all of it in. Like, pick one thing. If you need a message, pick one message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it happens a lot in horror movies because... With the release of Get Out and just Jordan Peele's general filmography, uh, his foot yeah. on these on these people's necks, like showing them how it's done and showing how you have yeah. been doing it right at all. Like there are horror films that come out that try and have a message, so to speak, but it's kind of like you can just be scary and move on. I don't need anything yeah. more than that. Like, the newest Texan, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie on Netflix tried to have a conversation about gentrification, and I was like, we're not here for this. I'm here for yeah. bloods, gore, and horror. I don't care about an HOA meeting. Especially with a remake like that of uh, a film that was just, like, a film that was just blood, guts, horror, like, your worst nightmare situation. Mm-hmm. Don't do a remake and try and make it something that it's 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 not. Yeah, basically. don't try to relate to today's. Like one movie that did try and do it, and I feel like did it to a certain extent was Candyman, at least the newest one, because they tried to do a reimagining of the Candyman story um, yeah. from him being just like this myth and this like uh, scary story, the boogeyman who hides in your closet, to turning him into like some kind of vengeful spirit to be used as, like, a weapon. I did like the direction they were going in, but I feel like because the movie is an hour and 30 minutes, there wasn't enough time to really delve into it, which is why I... Oh, my gosh. 
there are so many movies that I watch now that I'm like, this should be a TV show. This should be yeah. a miniseries. <laughs> like, Eternals, it should have been a show. Like, I know that when Eternals was, like, greenlit, that we were just now getting used to, like, Marvel's doing TV shows now, and, like, people were trying to, like, kind of get into it and get the idea of it and, like, trying to be, like, okay with it. But, like, now you see the success behind Marvel's television shows, and there was success with Daredevil and Jessica Jones. They came first, okay? WandaVision was the first. Just want to put that out there. But yeah. now that you've seen the success, I feel like more comic book stories, characters, and just stories in general benefit yeah. from longer form storytelling that way you can Look. dive into you know little nuances people's stories find out yeah. more about them and marvel needs to make these episodes longer i can't do the 30 minutes because they Definitely. say it's like 37 minutes and there's like 25 minutes and then the end credits are like 10 minutes long yeah <laughs> like, i know that's, that's my biggest frustration with marvel at the moment is i don't like this six episode format yeah seven minute episodes or whatever I don't like that I noticed they've tried something different with Andor where they've done like more episodes but I um I would love to see an Eternals TV show I think that would be I think that would be fantastic because you know these characters have been on the earth for what thousands of years yeah. you've got such a story to tell and yeah. all of this other stuff's happening now with them and yeah, I think that would have fit really nicely as a TV series. And I think it would have had a better reception as a TV series. I think it was unfairly judged as a, as a movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think that like long form storytelling is very essential so that you can really just tell the story. You can just give the characters time to breathe give them time mm -hmm. to exist and people can connect to these characters because the thing with the turtles is that people really couldn't relate to these this new group of superheroes because they didn't know them and they were recognizable and they were just kind of introduced and dropped into people's laps like oh look here's this group of like celestials that have been on the earth for thousands of years and didn't do anything when thanos came and snapped his fingers it's kind of like why should i care about these guys like what is the purpose of having them here you know and i feel like mike flanagan understands that because he takes time to like intimately go into each character's perspective and their past yeah. trauma to see how they, it influences their past self but he also yeah. knows this because he edits a lot of his episodes and he directs mm -hmm. them as well and when he is writing and when he is directing he knows what it's going to look like in the edit he knows what it looks like yeah. in screen so that influences the storytelling because he can see it through the um, through our eyes as the yeah. watchers, and he wants it to be something that like holds tension. He wants something that focuses on the characters, and it's great because like his characters aren't just like people's like here's the ditzy girl, here's the guy that is the nice boyfriend but turns out to be the serial killer, and here's the girl yeah. who's super strong willed, and here's the sister who's gonna get killed in the middle of the movie so that the audience you know relates to the strong willed character and is with her when she finally fights the monster at the end as the final girl like. The characters are a lot more complex than that, and we yeah. see that with, like, Nell's story, and Luke's story, and Steven, who we don't really like, but, you know, he's there, yeah. so we gotta deal with him. But yeah. <laughs> you just kind of draw from everyone's stories in their lives, and you can see what... Yeah, go ahead. So I, was, I was just about to... I was agreeing to say, like, I did like how we had the... Um, because... It kind of looks like there's an episode per character, 
but it's not just about them it's about them and how they're dealing with it and their experiences but how it links to the rest of the family and mm-hmm. you know, how they're trying to work with the rest of the family and, and deal with that so I do like how we feel that instead of just giving us okay this one episode is going to be all about Nell yeah. nobody else it's it's about her but it's about her inside the family and it just helps create that sort of stronger bond mm-hmm. for when it eventually breaks and I think that's a that was a really great way of doing it I'm going to be honest and say that I did not rewatch any of the shows for the pod so it's been a long it's been a while since i watched the show i watched it when it came out so i remember mm-hmm. like a lot of the things about the show and i did take notes but for the most part um uh i'm gonna be real and say that i don't remember why they left the house was it their mom yes yeah i don't know how spoilery we can get on this but i mean how long ago did hill house come out it's 2018 so oh yeah you've not seen that's spoilery it's fine um yeah she it's when she she takes the kids to the red room she takes the twins and abigail to the red room and the dad the dad finds out and he gets all the kids out of the house and then you know obviously she she could you know jumps off the stairs it's uh yeah I don't remember the red room. How can I not remember this? Because I see the door, and I know it's yeah. scary, and I know it was bad. Because obviously, when you have something in a horror movie that's like red, or like just anything's like something called the red room. Yeah. Like, oh my. God. Yeah. Like. Gosh. But we only really see it. We see it throughout, but we only really see the door uh-huh. throughout. There's like, there are, because in the end we find out that the red room was there all along. It was like a special thing to each person. Uh-huh. But um, but yeah, we only really see the door throughout. That's all we really know it as is this door that they just cannot open. So, yeah, yeah. that was that was quite well done as well. There was there were so many things in the show that I'm like, God, that's such a good way of doing it, mm-hmm. especially with like um with the red room and how it turned out to be you know you were all in here at some point mm-hmm. but I really like what he did with the the little girl Abigail mm-hmm. who was Luke's friend because I was convinced from the start that that was just a little ghost girl he'd made friends with mm-hmm. <laughs> but then it turned out she was real and I was like oh okay that's new <laughs> it's so it was honestly such a relief to figure out that she was real it's like mm. oh Luke it's okay. It's like you didn't see a ghost, and you weren't friends with the ghosts. You know, like it's all right. It's yeah. quite all right. <laughs> gosh, yeah. Oh gosh, what can I say about Hill House? All in all, loved it. It broke me. Uh, yes. it <laughs> like watching. I when I watched Hill House, I was in college. I was working a job I did not like. I was not in a great place, so I don't know why I watched the show. It was really, like, something that, like, I had to pace myself through, and I only watched it in the daytime, which is worse, because I started crying, and it's like, imagine you're in the school library, you turn a corner, there's a girl literally trying to hold her head in her hands, because she's watching a Netflix show, (laughs) she's trying not to lose it, and you're just looking at her like... 
honestly at university though i feel like we all had moments where we just cried in, mm-hmm. in public so it's fine mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah you know sometimes you need to have a mental breakdown so that everybody can see that like even if like because there are other people who are like hold trying to hold it together and i see someone else having a break mental breakdown and it's like yep relate same that's me <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, like whenever like a whenever someone who like works at a grocery store gets like really sassy before the customers, I'm like, go off. Yeah, because I wish I could have done that a number of times when I worked in a grocery store, and you deserve it. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, Hill House. Oh, excuse me. I do want to say. Oh my god, Poppy and Will's story was very sad. How they met in the mental institution and how yeah. she killed her children and then she wanted Olivia to do the same thing. I was like, ah. It's hard yeah, to but- see the dad like see his wife like comforting him and trying to help him through his problems. It's like yeah, uh, I'm kind of like I'm. I feel bad for you, my guy. I know you miss your wife. I know that's sad. However, she was gonna age six your kids, so maybe let's back it up a little. It's like I'm trying to. It's like I understand you need comfort. You're sad. Your kids don't like you anymore. However, however, you know. However, yeah, I I love the relationship between the the parents, though Olivia and. Hugh, is it? Mm-hmm. And I, one scene in particular, because I rewatched Hill House recently. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one scene in particular when they're in like the room where she she does the drawings, and he shows her the blueprint that she's done, and it's just nonsense. It's just she's drawn a shape mm-hmm. like thousands of times, and she has this breakdown, and he's like angry but concerned because he can see her having this breakdown, and I just had this moment of like because that was one of those moments where I was thinking like, okay, maybe the ghosts aren't real. Maybe she is just having a bit of a, a mental health crisis and she does need some help and she does need a break. And I thought that that was like, they have like such a beautiful relationship in the show. And I think he does that so well in how he portrays these like loving parents that are actually involved in doting on their children as well. Yeah. It's, it's hard to watch such a nice couple mm-hmm. just have to like deal with something so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it's worse because like the show's so beautifully done, but it's so tragic. It's yeah. hor- horribly tragic. Oh but I appreciate I appreciate how he makes his shows. I've not seen any of the films that he did. I don't know what they're like, but one of my biggest issues with anything horror is how it ends. I, I find that horror films never really know how to end mm-hmm. properly, yeah. but I think he does that well with Hill House. Definitely. Like, I, I liked the ending of it. I'm going to be honest and say Bly Manor is one of the most heartbreaking endings. Like, it's it was so hard to watch Bly Manor. Like, watching Bly Manor from Hill House you're kind of like, okay, we're in for family trauma. We're in for mm-hmm. ghost. I did not expect a Freaky Friday situation, but that's yeah, what I got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to say, with the whole, like, Charles 
and the uh, case of the body snatchers, that kind of I was watching it. And I was like, okay, we're getting into possession, but it's mm-hmm. a little like, I'm, okay, I'm gonna say this outright. I'm gonna say this outright because I have not heard anyone else bring up how this irked them. I don't like that the couple was ready to hop into the children so they could live happily ever after. No, I didn't like that at all. That was terrible. That was... Oh, no. Mike, listen. (laughs) Listen, Listen. man. I don't know what's going on. Because, you know, some guys just have, like, these weird, like, sibling fantasies. And, you know... (laughs) Your face. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> well, there's, there's always, like, when it comes to, like, creating things, like, writers, directors, actors, yeah. somehow, in some way, there are little, like, I don't know what other word, fetishes, fixations, yeah. bleed through their work. So, mm-hmm. Mr. Flanagan, maybe let's not do that again. Yeah, maybe, maybe stay away from, from, Where I don't think you should have any more in your shows, just... Sir, can you explain to me why you wanted children? Like, babies? Uh, Babies? uh, I mean, when I started watching Bly Manor, as soon as introduced the two kids, I was like, okay, this is going to be a creepy kid situation. Especially with the little boy. The the kids in the horror movies are always like... Yeah. Because kids can see things that adults don't see. And because they're so young and they're not like messed up by the world and like expectations yeah. and stuff, there's they have fresh eyes, you know what I mean? So, I, I'm i not gonna lie, of course, I didn't like the kids when they threw Victoria Penn dirty and locked her in the closet. I was like, okay, this is not hide and seek that I know, but you get the um background knowledge that the lady of the lake is roaming the house, so they don't yeah. want her to they don't want her to take her under, so to speak. Yeah. I uh I have I have to be honest in that I do have issues with Bly Manor, but that's mostly from um an accent point of view. <laughs> because um there are some British accents in that show that are questionable. <laughs> in, yeah. in particular the the um she's doing like a northern accent and oh, yeah, there's just parts of it where I'm like, okay, could you not have just got like someone to just do the voice? Did yeah. you have to make a whole accent? But um, sometimes but if anyway, you can't do the accent, you shouldn't. That's a minor thing. It's not like a. It's not like questioning the story. It's just um, I was talking to someone about this the other day. We were saying like it's okay, but the accents aren't great, and there are parts of it that are supposed to have been filmed in the UK, but you can definitely see it's not the UK, mm-hmm. and you're just like. Yeah, those kind of things, like the little things, do add to the show. Like the kind of thoughtfulness they put behind it. Mm. These, those things are easily fixable, especially with a company like Netflix and somebody like Mindflight again, who can find the budget and the time to make those things happen. But people like to cut costs, so to speak. So, yeah. yeah I get it. Yeah. I get it. Basically, but... um, Haunting a Blind Manor is a TV show based out of the anthology series The Haunting for Netflix by Mike Flanagan. The show is based off the uh, Henry James novella The Turn of the Screw. 
It is the book is about a governess who is caring for two children in a remote estate, and she com- becomes convinced that it is haunted. The Turn of the Screw is a gothic horror fiction with supernatural elements embodied into it. So Blind Manor is a show that follows the countryside manor in the UK, where a young American is hired as an au pair for two children living in Bly, but she is unaware that the manor is haunted. But she does become aware soon enough, because, oh my gosh, how could you not? There are such phenomenal, phenomenal characters in the show. Victoria Pandretti plays Danny. There is Peter. There's... Oh, there's so many people at this show. There are actually a lot more characters in this show. And I think the thing that I like... I love... I... Here's one thing that I love. I love it when... Um, creators... They'll never tell you that they read the reviews or that they read tweets about their show. But the second you see their next thing, it's like, oh, so you took all my notes into consideration. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Okay. I tell you so, so, okay. I'll find your secret little Twitter account, Mike. Don't worry. It's I know it's creeping in the replies. I know. I know. You may leave a like. You might leave a thumbs up every once in a while. But I see you. Okay. I'm sure it's not him. I'm sure it's like some person at Netflix, some person on his team who like scrolls through and like follows a bunch of fan accounts and stuff like that. I know there are people that work for Netflix that like follow a bunch of fan accounts to like kind of get the tea. Because I've seen <laughs> I've seen a couple of them. In replies to some people's tweets, and I'm like, okay, uh huh, uh huh, all right, hey, I <laughs> okay, Jamie, okay, you really like first kill, huh, huh, okay, yes. So basically, what I'm trying to say is, this show is a lot more diverse than the other one, which is mm-hmm. wonderful. It makes sense as to why there were only white people in the first show because of the family. If you throw like a random like Hispanic kid in there, it's like. You could have left. You didn't have to. It's like you didn't have to. You didn't have to. You didn't have to. But I'm glad you did. But you didn't have to. You know, it's like it's mm-hmm. fine. But um, yeah. Also, another thing is that like, it's great that he made um, Bly Manor a bit more diverse. There are times where like creators will try a little too hard with diversity, and then you put your characters in a weird situation, or you've run, you've very clearly written a scene for a white character you thought putting a black character in there would be interchangeable and it's not like yes. the only example i have that comes to mind is euphoria because the show is based off of sam levison's life but he is a mm-hmm. white man and zendaya plays the role kind of but zendaya is a young black woman and one thing that kind of like have you seen euphoria I haven't, no. I know okay. I know the basics. I uh-huh. know kind of what it's about. I just, I've seen, like, clips of it. And it's gone. <laughs> I don't think this is made for me. You don't have to watch Euphoria. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. If you don't feel the need to watch it, you don't have to. I only watched it for the podcast. But if I didn't okay. have to, I wouldn't have watched the show. I was tempted by Zendaya, I'm not going to lie, because mm-hmm. I was like, look, it's Zendaya, so, you know. I don't think she's coming then... back for the next season. So, okay. yeah, there are a lot yeah. of actors who are not coming back for the next season. So I feel like mm. if there's a season three, it might be workshopped a bit differently. Okay. I do have a theory that Maud Aptow, who is Judd Aptow's mm-hmm. daughter, will be the new main character because she did the play in season two, which you probably saw some memes about on Twitter and TikTok. I feel like she's going to be coming in as a new 
lead character, also because she started dating the drug dealer in the show, and her sister is kind of like promiscuous, Sydney Sweeney. So I think that's where Sandlot is going to go moving forward. Maybe, possibly, but maybe the show won't continue for a third season because there was such a huge space of time between season one and season two that, like, they may just say season three coming soon and then just never happens. Okay. Yeah. But the one example I wanted to bring up was that, like, in Euphoria, Rue is someone who deals with addiction. She's very young. And with Sam Levison being a white man, he's drawing from his own personal experiences, which is fine. But as a black person, I know that if someone is dealing with something that's very difficult and it's something that you can't talk about in a normal mm-hmm. conversation, like, my sister got into a car accident. Everyone gets into car accidents. It's fine. My sister's addicted to crap. That's not really something you bring up in normal conversation. Usually, if a family is dealing with something like that, you bring in other people in your community, or you send the kid away to go live with someone else. Like, I know plenty of people have been in those situations, because, you know, if you're, we understand community, like, people who are black, Hispanic, Asian, like, we understand that we need to each other to take care of each yeah. other. And... Sam Levison in the community that he lives in probably is more of like, you keep to yourself, you mind your grass, you mind the, the road that you're on, you stay in your lane. Yeah. So it loses that kind of cultural significance in his show. He wouldn't know about it either way because he hasn't experienced that or doesn't really know anyone in his close circle to experience that as well. So that's like yeah. a little thing that's missing, you know. And I'm glad that Mike Flanagan in Blind Manor, at least, the show feels very, like, it's well done, it's well written, and it doesn't have those kind of moments from Blind Manor. And Midnight Mass, so beautifully done, because a lot of times when creators bring in, like, a different perspective or a different culture, it's like, alright, let's see what you do. And, like, he actually did well, so it's like, okay, alright, Mike, we might be rocking with you. So... Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Blind Manor. Tell me like what were your thoughts when you first watched Blind Manor? Um I I've gotta be honest, it's one of my least it's probably if I had to rank the Flanagan TV shows, it's towards the bottom. Um why? I don't know. I don't know. It didn't sort of it didn't grip me or scare me like Hill House did, and I think that's what I was expecting. But I watched these shows in a weird order. I think I also have to point that out. Okay. The first Lanigan series I watched was Midnight Mass. Oh. I just hadn't watched anything else for ages. And then I was like, okay, I'll check out his other, other stuff. So I watched Midnight Mass, then Hill House, then Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. So I think I kind of... Um, I'm not saying it's terrible, I just, I feel like it's at the bottom of the list for Flanagan series, um, but I did enjoy it, I did enjoy aspects of it, I really liked, um, I did really like the sort of, the relationship between all the characters in the house, I did like how they sort of became this little weird makeshift family, just in a weird situation, in the middle of nowhere, um, the kids freaked me out creepy kids in horror films I just can't do it I don't know what it is especially yeah. like, as a little boy 
the second though if I was in that situation and I went into like a little girl's room and she showed me a doll like she has the doll of the faceless woman that she hides under the bed the second I saw that doll I'd have been gone I would not have <laughs> I'd have been like, nope. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. I understood, like, when you watch horror movies, because I'm that person, each little thing, each little, like, the doll under the dresser, I was like, ooh, uh-huh, her. Yeah. And she's not under the dresser, I'm like, oh, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't trick me back foot again. I see you. I'm going to predict what happens to the show before you, okay? Like, I'm one of those people. I'm like, I know what's going to happen in the next episode. I know exactly what's going to happen. You can't trick me. But I just, I do like how Mike Flanagan does that thing with, with Hill House and Bly Manor, mm-hmm. where there are just little things that I would never have guessed that that was where the storyline was going. I would never have thought, like, um, like with the with the ghost, with the, the lights in the eyes, mm-hmm. I've not watched Bly Manor for a little while. That yes. she keeps... Yes. And I wonder what that is. Yes. And, like, okay, I didn't expect that yes, to be. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was freaking out because I kept seeing, you know, kept seeing the little face. I love, this is one thing I love about Mike Flanagan um, with Bly Manor and Haunted Hill. When there's a little moment that scares you, it's a little jump scare at the beginning that just kind of like gets you. Because the show yeah. has like these long, drawn in zooms for characters' monologues. The show has like the muted blues and greens to give like that kind of like ooh gloomy like ooh dark look and it can go so long with us just following the characters and following their stories and learning more about them and like seeing things from their perspective when you get that little jump scare every once in a while it's like oh it's a horror movie that's all it's scary it's like sort of reminds you okay don't get comfortable this isn't like no family show nothing like that like I'm here to make you shit your pants just so it lets you know like yeah. Yeah. That one that one did frighten me the most, I think, with the eyes because I have this fear of looking in a mirror and seeing something behind me. That's oh, one yeah. of my fears. So when he did that I was like, Oh no, I don't I don't like that. I don't yeah. like the idea of mirrors. <laughs> yeah, like whenever I'm washing my face, I have to like, keep one eye open. <laughs> I can't keep oh. my eyes closed, it's too scary. It's like I don't wanna like move the top of my face and there's something there like I completely get that I totally understand oh my gosh so let's talk about Blind Manor a little bit with where should we start I guess the storyteller I do have to say watching Blind Manor it was one of those shows where I realized like oh so Mike Flanagan's face is like one of those people who likes to use certain actors to like return back to his you know movie tv shows and yeah i do have to say like seeing a familiar face in the show is kind of like hmm oh it's miss crane that's interesting <laughs> but it's also like pretty fun to see it's also interesting to have watched Bly manor in comparison to haunting a hill house because i don't think the kids remember the ghost or remember what happened in Bly manor no i think at the end of Bly manor I think it's revealed that the two kids just, like, have forgotten everything completely. Yeah. Which is so different from Hill House, where these people, they're haunted by their ghosts, they're, like, haunted by, like, the traumatic experiences, and I wonder why that is. In some cases, in Hill House. 
I kind of think that the kids don't remember because with Hill House, Luke went back to burn the house down, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's how, yeah. So because the house is still there, because the ghosts are still there, their stories are still there, and they were still connected to that house, and they were still connected to like their past. Because mm-hmm. until you let the things go of your past, it's still always going to haunt you in a way. So yeah. when Danny basically became Lady of the Lake, which is so hard to watch, I was not happy about it. But like basically when that happened, I feel like she kind of like she tamed the spirit, so to speak. Like mm-hmm. she took it with her. So that's yeah. kind of that's probably why they don't remember. It's probably why Jamie's only person remembers it. And of course, like Jamie being played by crap, I forgot the actress's name, but um, Carla um, Gugino, Gugino, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Her being the only person. What was I trying to say? Oh yeah, Jamie is the storyteller. Like. Yeah. <laughs> we all know this. I know in the credits it says the storyteller. You can't fool me, Flanagan. Okay, I'm not stupid. All right, we know it's <laughs> Jamie. All right, I can see her from a mile away. Yeah. yeah, Jamie and Danny were very sweet. They're a really cute couple. I just yeah, I did. I loved the little love story mm-hmm. in it, and it was like you said, it was just so sad that it was always like haunted by this faceless woman who's like always there in the background and Danny's always like seeing her and for a you long know, time they were able to live together and like live in harmony but then when she started seeing her and then like when she had her hands almost around her neck I was like oh I was like no it's still house over again it's still house all over again it's the grades it's it was hard to like see her go to the bottom of the lake but she has to do it because no one else is going to do it. And, like, I need Victoria Pendretti to have a happy ending. Yeah. I don't know why in everything I'm watching her in, she doesn't have a happy ending. First it's Hill House, then it's Boy Manor, then it's you. I'm getting pissed. Let her be happy. Just one time, let her be happy. Just please. let her have, like, a very, like, live, see the sunset, and just, you know... Gosh, like, y'all are making this so hard on me. For what? Just want to rush. Make sure she's okay. Show show her that she's loved. Like, she already went through enough with Hill House. We all went through enough with Hill House. Went through it with Hill House. It's sweet that they spent six years together, though. Yeah, I'm glad they got that time together. Mm -hmm. It was a really sweet, um... Like I said, it was a really sweet love story. It was just a really sad ending. Mm-hmm. I think sh- another ending in that show was um, The Housekeeper. That was another one of those things that Mike Flanagan did where I was just not expecting uh-huh. that situation. Yes. I do want to say, first and foremost, I don't understand the whole Charles thing. Not Charles. I can't say Charles. I meant Peter. Peter, yeah. I don't know why I keep saying calling him Charles. But Peter, <laughs> <laughs> so Peter is, um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to, Peter and, who was the woman he was dating? I know I wrote this down somewhere. Wow, Monica didn't even write this down. What the frick? 
Peter and Rebecca. Peter and Rebecca. They were living in the house, right? Rebecca was living in the house. Okay. But Peter worked for the uncle of the kids, and I think he was there often. Their love story, I do have to say, like, it was cute. It was sweet in the beginning until he <laughs> killed her. <laughs> until he yeah. literally took her life without her asking. Like, no one would obviously, like, ask for yeah. that. Like, I'm not letting you, you know, let me join. I'm not, I don't want to join you in the afterlife. Like, I miss you. Mm-hmm. I'm sad you're gone. Of course. Yeah. But, like, but I, I'm, gonna I'm still here. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm good. You know, like, that sucks for you. Yeah. But for me, it was nice while it lasted. I had fun. The sex was great. Yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, you know how it goes. Yeah. You know how it oh. is. <laughs> Gosh. And it's also very strange for him to, like, possess Miles? Oh, to possess. And it was so. Because, like I said, creepy kids in horror films, I'm not a fan of. But, like, he was creepy in a different way because it was like yes. a grown up boy. Yes. He was like creepy in like a very. It is so off putting for a young little tiny boy to be stroking your hair. It's like, yeah. I'm sorry. Because like, you can't fight a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's not socially acceptable to fight children in fights. <laughs> I'm sorry. If a child like comes up to me and so starts like stroking my hair or asks for like a drink. In the morning, wants to smoke a cigarette. Yeah. We're gonna have to. You're gonna have to bring it down a notch. All right, yeah, little boy. Serious conversations, consequences are gonna happen. There are gonna be some serious, <laughs> actionable consequences yeah. if you keep tr- acting like this. All right. Yeah. And it's worse oh. when you find out that like, oh, sometimes this kid is possessed by an angry ghost who used to be a corrupt businessman. It's like, oh, well. That was strange. Yeah. Because I was expecting Peter Quint to just be one of the ghosts that you see around the house. I was like, he's just going to be a guy who shows up every now and again. But yeah, the whole possessing a child and doing whatever. Oh, no. Was not not a fan of that situation? <laughs> yeah, it was really hard. Because you people just chalk it up to like Miles just being a bad kid, and be like yeah. someone who doesn't know how to behave. And it's like, yeah. no, there's actually more to the story. <laughs> there's probably a not nice person who's possessed. <laughs> yeah, and when Lady of the Lake came out of nowhere to grab Peter, <laughs> I died. I died. Like, wait, wait. Because she was dragging him. And I was like, oh, it's done. He's he's done. It's over. I'm sorry, yeah. bro. I can't help you now. Like, the kids should have let him know. They should have been on the lookout for her. They know oh. she's out there roaming. That's why they yeah. have the doll now. Holding back info, they should not have been holding. That should be a sign when you walk into the house. Like, just be careful with the lady of the lake. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, don't sit in the hallway for too long. Just want to let you guys yeah. know, like, there should be, like, a little bell that rings through the house, like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I ring it to your side room. She's out. She's walking. Yeah, yeah. She's looking Lady for the bodies. 
I didn't like mm-hmm. I know that we needed that background for who the Lady of the Lake was mm-hmm. but I'm not sure how much I enjoyed the episode where we got that history okay. about um, about who she was and what had happened like I found it interesting I liked the idea of having that story there but mm-hmm. I like the episode to quite forgettable and I feel like it took me too much out of the story because it was just really randomly like there was just one episode that was set however many years before mm-hmm. uh, this is the lady of the lake and this is what happened and I was just a bit like oh okay <laughs> but it, when slime <laughs> it was a kind of tonal shift yeah to, um... I really don't know how else to say this lady of the lake story is it good like she was jealous of her sister who wanted to like fuck her husband and then like the lady lake got sick right yeah i think she got i think it was like she got tuberculosis because that's what everyone and like you know and she couldn't see her kid and then she had this chest full of treasures that Mm -hmm. was just for her but she lived for years when she was sick so i don't understand what that's all about Pure determination, possibly. Anyway, yeah, I... I know divorce wasn't a thing back in, like, the 1600s, but I also feel like banishment was. Like, if I thought my sister was trying to mack up my man, I would have banished her. I would have yeah. fully banished her. And I'd be <laughs> like, if you want to be with her, you can go too. I'm rich. I don't need you. I yeah. got money. You see this chest? You see all this? This is mine. Like, it would have been yeah. so much easier for her to have been like, you can go, and you can go. And then, she wouldn't have to, she wouldn't have to kill her sister. Yeah. Which, which, she, which like, it's not her sister's fault. It's both of their faults. You should have yeah. them both out. Just take them both out. Like, you could have banished <laughs> them, or you could have killed them both. You didn't have to kill your sister. What is this? Is this yeah. really feminism in action? We can do better. <laughs> we can do better. Right. Yeah. Yes. Equal opportunity for getting your ass dragged in the lake. Yes. That is. And we know we know she can kill a man by dragging him into the lake. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. did say you're right. The episode was a weird tonal shift. I think that we didn't need a whole episode on Lady no. of the Lake, but also, who would have known her story? Like, who would have known what she was there for? Because all they know is that there is a ghost in the lake that walks into the house and takes yeah. people, and that's it. That's all they know. There's no one in yeah. the show that would have the history or the knowledge behind her to, like, tell the children the story. Because she was, it was 1640-something when this happened. Yeah. It's, like, it's not like Bloody <laughs> Mary, you know? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing as well. Like there are certain things that maybe you would know. You'd have known who owned the house. You'd have known what they did. Mm-hmm. But like the the ghost aspects of it, like no one would know that information. I think it would have been better to do it in the same way they did with um, where instead of showing it, maybe it is someone saying like, oh, you know, this house used to be owned by 
this lady so and her sister. Yeah. And then I feel like the audience is intelligent enough to put two and two together and be like, oh, they're telling us that story for a reason. That must be. But also the when ghost. they're selling houses, they don't really tell you if there's a ghost in the house. And I feel like if you're trying to sell someone a house, you're not going to tell them there's a ghost in the lake that's going to come out every random times and then drag you in there down with her because she has a vengeful spirit and she just will not die. I feel like that's not something you say when you're a real estate agent. I feel like uh, in the UK, if you're selling a big manor house like that that's so old, then... It's, just, it's something that comes up? It's just assumed. Oh. I think it's just assumed that there's going to be ghosts. So. Oh. Do you know any, like, ghost stories in the UK? Or, like, any, like... Are there any, like, kind of famous haunted places in the UK? We we get a lot... A lot of it is, like, houses like that, like, big manor houses that have been there for, like, hundreds and hundreds of years mm-hmm. because, you know, there's just so much death that happens in there and over time. And especially because um, big houses like that would have been owned by very wealthy and noble families. So mm-hmm. they were nicest people historically speaking yeah. so there's always just a lot of bad energy in those kinds of places I think and you can you can do it there are houses um where you can go and do like ghost nights in the house yeah. you can stay in the haunted mansions so I feel like I, <laughs> <laughs> I would not go sleep in a haunted house because there are plenty of people who have done it before. Like, there are plenty of, like, YouTubers who go sleep in a haunted house and, like, they don't see anything, they don't feel anything, they feel like, you know, this is just, like, all a bunch of malarkey, which I totally get it. It's fine. There is this place called the Cecil Hotel in mm-hmm. America that is well known for all kinds of strange and weird things that happen at the hotel. There's one woman that did pass away. I don't remember the exact year. But she died and her death was like a mystery and there's like a whole documentary about it and yeah and it is a netflix documentary and like most netflix documentaries it starts off pretty well they have the facts and then there's an episode where it's just like a bunch of speculation and like conspiracy theories and like internet stuff and it's like and the craziest things they will yeah. put everything in there yeah i know which documentary you're on about because like you said it starts well but or that's almost Every Netflix documentary, unless the people that the case is about are in the documentary, then the documentary is not that great. Because there's always that one episode where they're like, listen, we need four episodes. They need to be an hour long. We got to fill up with something. All right. I need something. All right. A win is a win. All right. Netflix paid the bills. I already cashed the check. I don't care if y'all think this is irrelevant. It's in here. So... Yeah, and there's also the Lizzie Borden house, which a lot of people feel like, um, this, uh, house is, uh, there was a 1892 hatchet murders of Andrew and 80 Abby Borden. The possible perp was Andrew's daughter, Lizzie, who was acquitted at trial, but a lot of people feel like the ghost of the, her ghost and her father and her stepmother's ghost still linger in the house. And apparently every year there is um, reenactments, which is also weird to me. Like, why you're... Murder? Yes. Yes, that's a normal thing here in America. Like, you go to a haunted house, they'll reenact something for you so you can see it. Like, it's strange. Okay. 
I only know I only know about the Lizzie Borden thing because I watched that uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved <laughs> and they did the episode where they went to Lizzie Borden's house. Oh. I like BuzzFeed Unsolved. I yeah. thought it was a good dynamic. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, yeah, I don't fault you. But, um, uh... There are a lot of these things in America. There are a lot of, like, haunted places that you know, full of ghosts, and people die. And each one of these haunted houses have been turned into a hotel, a side attraction, a tourist trap, which is kind yeah. of like, if this many people went to the house and supposedly saw a ghost, I feel like yeah. we would see more ghosts. And yeah, you'd be seeing everywhere, I think. <laughs> yeah, me, myself, I am a suspicious person at heart, so I stay away from those kind of things. But... There's also the kind of thought, like, y'all do this every year, and Lizzie didn't pop out the floorboards and be like, you know what? Actually, no one's getting out alive tonight. Actually, you're all coming with us. Actually, you want to stay here? You can stay here forever. Like, I feel like at some point... Yeah. (laughs) I feel like at some point she would be tired of y'all charging $40 for you to, like, reenact her, like, possibly killing her parents, for her to, like... Like take over someone's body and be like, actually, I didn't use that knife. I did like this. Takes the knife out of the person's hands, literally kills somebody. Starts going at him, ready or not style. Like literally just one by one. Yeah, no, it's the same. They've just become like big tourist traps, like yeah. you said. You can do um if you ever visit London, you can do the Jack the Ripper ghost tours where you just walk around Whitechapel in the evening. Not. Absolutely, not. and like. Go to the places nope. where they found all the victims. Nope. nope. <laughs> Go to the places they found the victims. Oh. Yeah, because London hasn't changed at oh. all since it happened. So they're right. still like, this is where they found. You'll just be stood outside like a random building and they'll be like, this is where they found the body. And you're just like, oh my God. It's nighttime, it's cold. Can we go back? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, someone died here. Guys, take a picture of me in this like spot on the concrete. Oh my gosh, she died. <laughs> He killed her. Her li- like that's obviously that's horrible. Actually, that's horrible. Yeah. Like it on a, it sucks. You can't find a really good ghost nowadays. There's not a good serial ghost out there no more. You can't mm. find them out there nowadays. <laughs> I really I do have to say that's actually a really good idea for a horror movie. Nobody take this. I'm I'm taking this straight to Jordan. I'm taking this to Mr. Peel himself, not Smith. Jordan, <laughs> not Smith. <laughs> But I'm, I'm going to go to the Supreme and I'm like, look, picture this, all right? You go to a haunted mansion. It's supposed to be haunted, tourist trap. The ghost is like, you know what? Fuck it. You're all dying. And then what? You're there's a serial killer ghost in there, and there are a whole bunch of true crime fans. Will they survive the end of the night? I would watch that movie. I would watch that movie as well. Yeah. Is it going to be? Uh, a saw situation where like the ghost is like one of you can get out but like it's going to be I think it's going to be like mm, I don't know because like the ghost can walk through walls you know yeah (laughs) I have a feeling that like if I were to try to write it if this was actually something I would try to make I would do something weird, like I would throw a weird horror element in there, just like creep people out with like not incest, but like what if someone try to flirt with the ghost? You know? Oh, someone wants to fuck a ghost. Yes. I yes. Mean, 
Yeah, I've seen the stories out of the UK. I've seen those people on, oh, good morning, Britain. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So it's not, it's not unlikely. Hmm. <laughs> I cannot correct you on this one. <laughs> Especially if they show, like, one picture of her with, like, light makeup and, like, a low-cut dress. It's going to be one idiot in the crowd, like, hubba hubba. And then, like, she yeah. actually comes at you with a knife and it's like, oh, snap. Oh, <laughs> it's like, oh, girl. It's, yeah. Okay, okay, well, yeah, I think you need to pitch this. I, I'm waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> Let me find out how to pitch movies. I'm not going to DM Jordan Peele. <laughs> that would be the worst that thing. That Imagine if all it was was like, you just need to DM Jordan Peele and then uh, that's it. <laughs> no. But, um, okay, we've, have we covered Bly Manor? I think so. I think we've, we've, <laughs> Self-dipped. <laughs> Again, it's my favorite. It's good. But... I liked Blind Manor a lot, and I love Danny. Um, I really did love Hannah's character, and like her and um, Owen, I was rooting for them. I was rooting for them so much, and then like we said, when you found out what happened to Hannah, I was not expecting it. Yeah. I was like, I, I think I had to like double check that that was, I yeah. think I had to go you're like, wait a second. Because, like, that's the thing about, like, watching these horror films. Mike Flanagan loves to, like, put in little hints here and there. Like, why is it, like, ghosts are not always the way we think they are. Because, like, how could she be a ghost? <laughs> she's touching Owen. Like, yeah. but then she, like, barely eats. And she's always in the house. You never see her leave the house. Why is yeah. it that she doesn't leave the house? Ghosts can't leave the house. Like, yeah. all these little things that, like, we don't really see. And then when there's the reveal, it's like, oh. Yeah. She's, and it hurts even more because, like, Owen fully knows that he likes a ghost. Where it's like, that's so sweet. It's sad, but it's also kind of like, Owen, do you want to fuck a ghost? Well. Owen, do you want to fuck a You got something to tell us now. <laughs> it's like, I understand you may not have a lot of friends. Uh, that being said, what? That being said, you need someone to talk to. <laughs> Dude, why are you hanging out at this house where there's a lady that walks through the walls, the drives people to the yeah. lake, and there's a nice lady who's not even alive? Yeah, I was heartbroken for them, though. I thought we were going to get a nice ending with Danny and Jamie and then, you know, Owen and Hannah, but no, we can't have nice things in Mike Flanagan. <laughs> Mike Flanagan said, it is a horror. However, there is also romance. Hmm? He was like, I could do two things at once. <laughs> However, it's still a horror. I still need to get my lick back. Huh? You want cute couples? You'll get tragic ending. Alright? Yeah. There are no happy endings in my world. You, we can't that. have that. Okay? That. My name is Mike Flanagan. I'm bald. No one can be happy. <laughs> That's just oh. it. Okay. Oh my gosh. Love Hannah down. Um. Oh. What was the thing with the girl that died with Henry Wingraves? Remember the people? 
I honestly forget. You remember the guy who was like the key, the, the, the 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 guards keeper? I think it was, and like. Oh. Don't you remember the little girl that died or something? The little girl that died. Wasn't there? There was like a random couple that was like in the show, and their daughter was like. The parents of the kids died. Um, <laughs> no. Just looking at my cast list just to see. Hold on. I know. I know that the deaths that happened, like off screen, I guess, would be like the parents and. I need a plot. <laughs> Give me the plot. There was so much family drama that happened in that show, too. Like, mm. cheating? Mm. Mm. Oh my goodness. Oh yes. my gosh! And that whole thing with the uncle as well, that was so weird when you sort of, like, see him and he's, like, got, um, like, his evil personality that's talking to him. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, the, the uncle was a, was a strange character from the beginning, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It really is kind of hard to just, like, pinpoint little things about the show, because... Each one of my Flanagan shows are so layered and mm -hmm. so freaking complex, bro. It's like they're complex, but I I think he puts them together well. It's not yeah. complex. Uh, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. It's complex. Like it, it all makes sense, but there's just so much going on. It's so sad to like see like. Little Flora. Wait, did the uncle die? No, he's alive. He's alive, and little Flora thinks her dad is dead, but her dad's actually alive because her dad is her uncle. Yikes. Whoopsie. <laughs> Yikes. Ah, I wonder how that happened. Oh, no. Kids, when a man and woman love each other a lot, and the woman is married, they don't really care. They're gonna do it anyway. They don't care. I don't mean to. <laughs> eh. There's really nothing else I could say about Bly Manor. There was the plot with, like, I need to look this up. Like, the characters in Bly Manor. There was a plot where there was the girl. Horace Dudley. Okay. This is who I was talking about. Horace Dudley. Oh! This is from Hill House. Oh! Yeah, the little girl, Abigail is the little girl in Hill House. She's the one that's real, that we think is a ghost from the beginning. She makes friends with Luke in Hill House. And then she gets, she drinks the poison in the Red Room. I was trying then, so hard to connect her to Blind Manor, but I was like, why did I think of her when I thought of Blind Manor? 
because I feel like that has like a very blind manner look about her because she dresses in like the old clothes, like she wears like an old style dress, and because um, yeah, I don't know, maybe she just feels like a very blind manner character. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! But Abigail, because she's the daughter of the the groundskeeper in Hill House. I can't remember his name. Mr. and Mrs. Dudley, they look after the house. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they wanted them not to burden them the house so they could continue to see their daughter. Yeah. That is so sad. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, what, that's what I mean about that show, like, because you think Abigail is a ghost and then she's real and you're like, finally, like, good on Luke because no one believes him about anything and then... Um, and then she dies and becomes a ghost, and you're like, Mike, come on, did we need this? Why would you do this to us? Why would you do this to us? Why would you do this to us? It's kind of like you're watching this show, it's like, no, 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 stop, no, this can't be happening, it can't get sadder, it can't get worse, I need a break, you need to slow down, you're doing too much, and then he's like, actually, you know what, fuck that, let's make it worse. He's like, there's a flapper in the house and she killed her kids. And now the other mom's gonna do it too. Damn. It's just, it never stops. It never ends. He just wants to torture us. He just wants yeah. us to, like, watch. Because he knows. He knows we're gonna watch it. We're gonna watch it all the way oh. through to the very end. And he knows we're gonna be heartbroken and sad. But we're gonna come back next time. Because we are what? Broken. Mental illness. <laughs> okay. Uh, um. Shit, man. Victoria Pendretti needs to stop playing characters that have terrible endings. Not yes. terrible endings, but just like sad endings. I do have to say, I, just, I am upset that she died at the end of you, because you cannot tell me, you can't tell me that um love <laughs> would have been killed by Joe in real life. Let's be honest. Let's be for real right now. How did Joe? How does Joe keep getting away with murder? How? I have not watched that show because I just don't like the concept oh of it. Oh God, it's my favorite. Oh. It's the only show I hate watch. It's the only one. Okay. Okay. I think. Oh, I just. I don't know. I think it's because. That's not like I don't know what it is about the concept of that show. Maybe it's just like maybe I am just against that whole idea of like I'm against stalkers and you can quote me on that one. <laughs> but like I don't know. I watched the I watched the first couple of episodes and I was like, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no. But I know the basic storyline of it and I agree with you. I don't understand how he keeps getting away with this shit. Yeah. Because the next season is coming out next year, so... Will this be season three? It'll be season four. Oh my goodness. Yeah. How many people has he killed so far? Girl, I'm not keeping count. <laughs> yeah, I'm not <laughs> keeping count, but it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of people. Oh if you goodness. have killed the amount of people that he has killed, I feel like at some point or another, you would have been found out. You can't keep doing this. Like, you can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> I simply would be like, no. Absolutely not. But, um, yeah. yes. Also, I want to say, I feel so bad for Rebecca because 
She is so wonderful. And when I found out she kept saying, like, perfectly splendid, and that's where Flora got it from, that made me even more sad. Like, that was so hard to see. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that was, that was, there's so many things in Fly Manor that it's like, this was really sweet, this was really cute, but then this character has this tragic ending, or this character turns out to be a little bit strange and not as nice as you thought they were, or this character turned out to be ghost all the way. Yeah. It really is just heartbreaking, and I, oh my gosh, I hope that Rebecca was freed in the end, because we don't really know what happens to her character, because after she tried to leave Bly with Flora, Lady of the Lake was like, oh, actually, you know what? No. No. <laughs> she's like, in fact, she's going to be mine now. Okay, you've been warning people about me. You can't warn them no more if you're down here with me. Okay, let's go. Come on, down to the ocean, nice and cold. Nice and oh. wet. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> and when Miles shoved Hannah, it's like, I know you were possessed, but at the same time, we just got to we got to go. I'm gonna have to fight a seven year old. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. You 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 brought this upon yourself. Peter yeah. can hop in your party and body and take this beating like a man. But yeah, that's it's just it's like I don't know how to say this. I want to fight Miles. I want to fight <laughs> the child. 